Hi, welcome to Living with Tole, the podcast that provides you with ideas, practical strategies, and inspiration to help you connect the presence even through the challenges of everyday life. In this episode, we present the recording from a recent teleseminar that Greg and I conducted with special guest Matt Kahn. Matt is a wonderful, fun, spiritual teacher, a mystic, and an intuitive healer. In this conversation, Matt walks us through a very lighthearted exploration of some of the obstacles that prevent us from experiencing presence. And he also guides us towards experiencing our deep inner self and our true divine nature. This podcast and all of our materials on the website are offered to you free of charge without advertising. This is made possible by the donations that we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue offering our conversations, teleseminars, and special guests so that we can continue to explore presence, find inner peace, and discover the power of now as applied to our daily lives. You can make a donation now at livingwithtole.com. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the Living with Tole teleseminar. This is Greg Larson, and we're also joined tonight by my co-host, Leo Ristamunio. Leo, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Greg. I'm doing really well. We're finally enjoying a consistent spring here in New Jersey. The uh, April showers have passed and given way to uh, beautiful Mayflowers. We're enjoying the, the good weather. Kids are spending time outside, and we're, we're enjoying it very much. So everything's going really well over here. How are things out in L.A.? It couldn't be better. It was, uh, I don't know how hot it was today. It was quite hot, but uh, and been sunny for several weeks now, and it's it's, uh, I don't want to talk much about the L.A. weather, but I do remember being in Minnesota where I grew up. We had those springs or when that the warmth finally rolled around. It was uh, definitely a rejoicing of the spirit to be outside in the warmth and let the sun hit the skin and stuff like that. It is a rebirth, isn't it? It is a rebirth. So There is a rebirth. Well, we'll definitely spend time outside and watch those flowers bloom and, and see the, the delicate presence available within them and all of nature. Indeed, indeed. Awesome. Well, for those of us joining tonight, uh, if you weren't uh, able or if you didn't see any of the announcements that went out tonight, our guest is going to be Matt Kahn. He's a spiritual teacher. Actually, I'm just going to go to the website here and read our little introduction. Um, Matt is a spiritual teacher, a mystic, and intuitive healer who travels the world inviting seekers of all faiths to discover their true divine nature. And just continuing, Matt's spontaneous awakening arose out of an out-of-body experience at the age of eight and his direct experiences with ascended masters and archangels throughout his life. And many spiritual seekers have experienced amazing, unexplainable healings and have awakened to their true nature through his profound and loving teachings and transmission of sacred heart wisdom. And so we are so happy to have Matt join us tonight. We actually... Uh, uh, for those who uh, have listened to some of the archives, we had a conversation back in December with Michael Jeffries where we were looking at other teachers and teachings beyond Eckhart Tolle, and Matt's name came up, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed his teachings and his, uh, his conversations and uh, sharings that he has on YouTube and read some of his articles on his website, so really 
you know, thrilled to have Matt join us tonight. And so, Matt, how are you doing? I am wonderful. So happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this call and for for sharing uh, this uh, this truth, as we call it, yeah. or and offering people an experience. Uh, we were just chatting before the recording, and Matt was talking about, you know, his uh, his purpose really is to allow people to experience truth or presence or love, whatever those words are used to describe that. So I'm we'll, I'm sure we'll be. Uh, talking more about that here as we go on throughout the, the call, but anything else you want to share there, Matt, before we start as far as, you know, kind of your experience or or uh, what you're about as far as sharing these teachings or what your teachings are in specific? Well, we were talking before about my teachings are allowing anyone to have a direct experience of the truth, and we can talk a little bit about what I mean when I say the truth, because we have to define that word very specifically or else it gets very convoluted and confusing, and it it, it makes it very difficult for us to have such a simple and uh, direct experience, but it seems as if, which, you know, I didn't grow up saying this is going to be my purpose, but it just throughout life, it seems as if I'm being invited to share um, the living presence, the energy that emanates through the words when I speak them or as I write them, and that in itself has the potential, and in many cases has allowed people to have direct experiences of their own truth, of their own true nature. And for me, it really, my, my whole focus as a teacher is focused on someone else's sincerity versus, you know, there are teachings that any teacher will teach for a certain period of time. But as someone is just an open vessel, those teachings will constantly transform themselves. And so... It's just having the flexibility to be able to, and for me it's about using my intuition in whether it's a one-on-one session or in front of a group, to be able to tune in and direct someone exactly what is good for them based on what I feel intuitively. So it's not just trying to fit everyone into one kind of a lump concept, but really understanding that we all have unique ways in which we experience this eternal truth of our of our, of our deepest um our deepest sense of being. And so that's that's kind of what, what I seem to be here to do is to help anyone remove any perception of obstacle and to have a direct experience so that they can know for themselves what is so and then while still in form, allow the senses of the body to celebrate all the many ways in which this presence or this reality expresses itself. So it's kind of like consciously waking up in a dream before you wake up out of the dream. That was beautifully said, and, uh, you know, you already touched upon it, because I, I think it might have something to do, you know, with the title of your website is True Divine Nature, Yes. and I, I can imply that the truth that you were talking about before is kind of wrapped up into that, so if you wouldn't mind, go ahead, and just, we'll just start off with that. What was your definition of truth and, and true divine nature, and if you can just sure. kind of discuss on some of that, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, would we look at the word truth? There are many people that want to discuss the word truth and whether, you know, in, in, in religions they talk about truth or in any kind of path. There are many paths in the spiritual arena that talk about truth. And what's so confusing about it is that truth is so oftentimes mixed up with an opinion. Like, for example, people go, I have to speak my truth, which has to do with their opinion. And on a spiritual context, 
the truth actually has nothing to do with an opinion, although there's nothing wrong with opinions, especially if we learn to not take them too seriously. But the truth, if we were to really define it in a spiritual context with the understanding that the spiritual context of truth is a journey to understand your deepest identity and reality and understanding really who you are, that truth is another word for a, for, for a word known as always. So truth on a spiritual context actually means always, meaning in a world where everything we can look at is constantly changing and never staying the same, the truth of all of it, the truth of what is expressing all these expressions of ever-changing proportion, is that which is always. And so one starts to notice, my God, how temporary, how impermanent all moments are. Everything that begins will surely end. When I put my belief and I define my self-worth based on the things that are constantly changing, I'm constantly in a state of despair and dissatisfaction. But what we start to look into, aside from how impermanent all these forms are, is in a world of ever-changing reflection, what always is, what doesn't change at all. And when we start to only look within ourselves to lead our own investigation to say, what about me always is, our attention is directly now looking in the right direction, not to confirm that we believe or disbelieve or agree or disagree with a teacher or our favorite blogger, but we're actually leading the search ourselves so that we can have our own unique experience of not what other people call it, but of just leading us inward to say, okay, what is it about what I am that always is the same? What is not changing in time? And that's where the invitation begins. And it takes us inward into a space where words cannot define what is always available to be deeply realized within ourselves. Wow, that is so deep. And what really struck me was that this, um, you know, things are seem to be changing so rapidly now. Yeah. And, you know, and you mentioned before, you know, talking about being flexible and being available to where, you know, a person is and where they're at in this bigger change that's always happening. It's just so critical to to anchor yourself in that which never changes or the truth and be fluid and available and aware of and present to all the, the, the form of life or the how life is taking shape in that moment and really, you know, being available to it, taking action within that, but not being attached to it so you can move on to the next, you know, transformation or change, whatever that is. So that was so beautifully said. Thank you. And just as, just as a way of giving everyone who's listening just an opportunity with us to explore this, if I were just to ha- if you use, if we used you as an example, like, would it be true, like, if we just, for like one minute, if we took one minute and I can actually show you how easy this could be, if you looked at your body, wouldn't you agree that your body changes in time? Without doubt, yes. Right. So if it changes in time, that means it's an expression of the truth, but nothing about that is going to affect the truth. So trying to change the body or anything in the body, which always changes, isn't going to help us to realize the truth. And what I'm saying is actually is, is quite profound because, okay, so the body changes in time, the breath changes in time, the heartbeat, heartbeat changes in time, emotions may repeat, but they change in time, thoughts may repeat, but they change in time. 
all these things change in time within the body, which means if those are just expressions of the truth, trying to change, manipulate, and monitor all of those things will never help you realize the truth. So we put that aside for a second. Next thing you realize is if my body is always changing in time, then so is everyone else's. So trying to change, manipulate, and monitor other people's behaviors isn't going to do anything to help us either, so we put that aside. Now we say, well, what's left? Inanimate objects outside of us, well, those were created in the factory. They started as pieces. They were put together. They were created in time, so, of course, they will surely change in time. They will decompose. So we put the perception of the outside world aside. That's not going to be anything that can even help us at all. And then what's left? What's left is time. Does time change in time? And of course, a second hand on a clock is always, always moving. So time is only changing in time. So trying to manipulate time or monitor time is not going to help us in realizing the truth. And so we've, we've now put all that stuff aside so we're not distracted. And the next question is, if all that changes in time, what always is the same? And so if I were to just, if, Greg, if I were to use you as an example, mm-hmm. pick any object in the room you're in. What are you looking at? I'm looking at a computer right now. Now, if you look at the computer, just look at the computer, would it, would it, be, would it be obvious to say that before you can even make a decision to do something right or wrong, that the most obvious experience is that you're aware of the computer you're looking at? Uh, you know, it's funny because this is you were talking, I became aware of it, but it was sitting right in front of me a moment before, and even though I was gazing over in this direction, I was deeply listening to you, so I was not aware of it. But like, let, let's, let's just use this as an example. Now you're looking at the computer. You're aware of it, right? I am totally aware of it, yeah. Good. Now let's pick a different object in the room, and, and, just, and, and what would that be? It's a glass of water. Good. Now you're aware of the glass of water, aren't you? That's right. Now, if you look back and forth slowly from the glass of water to the computer, just slowly, your, your field of vision, the objects you're looking at in your field of vision change from glass of water to computer. But does the awareness that's witnessing change at all? Is, is it the same awareness that looks at a glass of water that looks at the computer? It is the same awareness, yes. Perfect. That's not changing. Now close your eyes. Now there's no computer. Now there's no glass of water. But the question is, are you still aware? I am still fully aware, yeah. And there's nothing to be aware of, but you're still aware. So even when there's no glass of water, no computer, there's still awareness. So what we just found is that it's awareness itself that always is the same, that doesn't change. Now, Now let's take this even deeper. Within yourself, if you close your eyes and don't think about past teachings or anything but this moment, with your eyes closed, just looking inward, do you actually see anyone or anything in this body? Or, or what, what, what do you see when you just look? Uh, I don't see physical form, no. There's just like a, an, a presence or an essence that I, exactly. I can sense. And you're, and you're aware of it, right? Yes, yeah. And would you agree that there is still the deepest part of yourself present while you're aware of this? Yes. Can you in any way, just by looking within yourself, can you, not with thinking, but just with looking in yourself, can you divide or separate yourself from this simplicity of just being aware or are you not able to divide the deepest sense of yourself from aware? I don't sense any division, no. Right, and do you see any beginning or end to aware, or there's just aware? There's just aware. Okay, and if, there's, if you look within, there's no person, there's nothing else but aware, you can't divide yourself from aware, 
It doesn't come or go. It's just always here. Then just by looking within, let's put the body aside for a second. We can talk about the body and all of that stuff for a second, but just on the inside, we tell the truth. What about you always is? So if there's nothing but aware, and aware is always the same, and you can't separate the deepest part of yourself from aware, then what must you be? Awareness. Right. Now, is that awareness calling itself awareness, or is it just the function of aware? It's just that, that aliveness or that function of aware, as you say it right there, you know. Now, when you look within, you see no person, so you would agree with me that there's actually no person with whom that awareness belongs. I would say that's correct, yeah. And so what I'm about to point out is something very powerful and very, and very important on this path, and that is so often we talk about practicing presence, being presence, and we're actually speaking of it from an egoic point of view as if presence or attention belongs to someone. We look within, there's nothing but awareness, and awareness itself doesn't belong to anyone or anything. In fact, everything is arising and being experienced in awareness by awareness itself. So while you're having an experience of what it's like to be a person, it doesn't actually mean that a person is in fact what you are. When a person is just how this, you know, unspeakable, ever-present awareness personally experiences all expressions and reflections of itself. So Greg is just a beautiful decoration arising in awareness, just like Matt or Leo or anyone else but we don't necessarily need to confuse the decoration of experience and the personal expression with that which is always observing and watching, always aware. And from that perspective, the reason why things feel so open and peaceful is because you're experiencing life from the perspective of your deepest self that inherently knows there is no other and nothing belongs to anyone because there's no other. In order for something to belong to someone, there has to be more than one. That is deeply peaceful experience as I'm sitting in there right now listening to you. Mm-hmm. And what comes to mind is, you know, the way we approach our, our podcast is, you know, applying the teachings to daily life. So, you know, yes. both Leo and I are married. We have kids. We have careers. You know, we have all these, you know, sure. distractions and demands. And, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people are in the same boat. So how does one... You know, once you come to realize that, which, you know, there's many ways to do that nowadays, how does one stay in communion with that or connection with that or, or you know, just aware of that throughout their day with all of these right. distractions and all of these? Well, well, to say that you'd have to be aware of it or to be in communion with it is a, is a very slick way, unknowingly, innocently, of saying you're not it. See, the greatest yeah, way to trick exactly. yourself is to try to be in, like, the greatest way to be separate from God is to, is to be in connection with God, meaning let, just, just look around your room right now and just yeah, look. Yeah. As you look at the object, awareness doesn't require you to push the button in your head to be aware. And so it's this, these, there's a thought, because ego is just a thought. Ego is, actually, ego is actually the imaginary identity of an overstimulated nervous system. But in ego, there is a sense that someone, something, which is, again, a personal thought we're believing, that says someone somewhere called Greg or Matt, has to be responsible to practice being aware. Whereas if you actually see in your own direct experience, awareness doesn't need anything because awareness is actually just the simplicity of being aware. So, for example, 
when you look at any object, like look at the glass of water again, if you just look mm -hmm. at the glass of water, do you need to decide who you are and who you're not in order to be aware of the glass of water? Or in looking at the glass of water, is there no instinctual sense of needing to say who you are and who you're not? Not at all, no. So you can actually just be aware of an object or an interaction, and nothing in this universe, nothing in this awareness is actually needing to decide who you are and who you are not in comparison to the glass of water. There's just an experience being witnessed. So my sense is, how do people functionally live with this way? One of the best ways to live this way is to stop giving ourselves so much busy work and to actually see that the word awakening or enlightenment is not talking about a far-off, distant realization. It's not talking about spiritual fireworks. The word enlightenment actually means a returning to your natural state. Natural state is defined as however an organism exists at rest. So at rest, if you just look at the glass of water, you can probably admit that your body is pretty rested. Would you say, could you say that? Right now, definitely, yeah. Right, so you're at rest. So now we're going to investigate your natural state. And is there anything else more natural in this rest? Whether you're looking at the water, you're just aware. Whether you're just focusing on your breath, you're aware of breath. Is there anything else more natural than awareness? Or, or is awareness just what's always the most natural thing happening when you stop to just look? It is the most natural thing happening, yes. So one has to just stop and see that awareness, presence, is the natural way of being. And we oddly and ironically overlook our natural state of being by pretending to be people that can only have those kinds of experience if only we could find time to practice. And the belief in needing to find time to practice is continuously overlooking the simplicity of awareness that is aware of the moment of playing roles, being a father, being a mother, going to work. It's aware of all the thoughts being believed about these things. But that awareness itself is just aware. It does not believe or disbelieve anything. And so one starts to see, my God, if I actually let go of believing my assumptions, so naturally I realize I'm already aware, and that awareness is already present, it's the only reality present, and it is just looking and watching and listening. And it does not say belief or disbelief to anything. It does not say right or wrong. It just, if, it, if there were words to articulate awareness, it would just be, hmm. It would just be a consideration, right? There would be an arising of the thought, and awareness considers the thought. But awareness knows that the, that the arising thought is only the experience of a thought. And if it's only an experience of a thought, then nothing the thought is saying is actually true. It's just an experience of a thought. And so another way I can point to this that can help everyone here have such a unique no. experience is I would ask you, do you, and this is a very funny question, in the room you're in, do you have any proof, and put your thoughts aside, any actual proof, that the room you're in exists outside of your experience. No, I do not. Do you have any proof Greg exists outside of your experience?
Uh, no, I do not. Do you have any proof the world exists outside of your experience? Uh, what I want to say is, personally, I do not know. Right. And in that realization, you realize you're only having a unique experience of what you call the world, of what you call body, of what you call life. It's just a unique experience that is reflecting back towards you the impulse for you to repeat out loud or to yourself all of the beliefs and assumptions that keep you misperceiving the truth that is always present in every moment of life. That's why it's called a realization, because it's the only reality existing. It just doesn't mean people have realized it. Once you realize it, then it starts to become more present in your experiences. But to think that you always have to make sure it's always there or that you're in possession with it makes for a very spiritually complicated ego that can then take on a persona of being a spiritual seeker, can read a lot of books and say a lot of things, but does not mean that it is living from that natural, realized way of being. So, like, for example, I meet a lot of people, I work with a lot of beautiful beings who have had a lot of experiences. I intuitively tune in and I say, okay, how overstimulated is the nervous system? The words and the phrases don't mean anything. It's about how deeply has the realization penetrated, how deeply have they had their own experience. And when you start to have these deeper experiences, you can actually tell in people how deeply the experience has gone, where they can have a little bit of an experience and then talk about it for many, many years, or that experience can totally open up and the ego can become totally, you know, totally deflated to the point where one looks within themselves, sees that there's nothing but awareness, looks around. Like you can look around inside your head right now. Do you, have, do you, do you see any ego anywhere? Do you see a machine called ego in your head? No, I do not, no. So, so then that means ego perhaps is just a word that when you believe in the word and the meaning you've imagined that other people have imagined before you believe in that word will only give you the experience of what it's like to believe in that existence. But then you look inside directly to see for yourself and you go, oh my God, I've been talking about something that I can't actually even find or locate within myself. So what happens if the mind or the ego if we can't find it when looking within, then maybe we're trying to, you know, always, you know, I'm trying to live my life and make sure my ego is in check, or I'm always trying, we're always trying to negotiate with these things that only exist in our experiences because they say, we say they exist. What happens if you actually just stop assuming that the ego thinks and the mind thinks? What if you just look within and go, my God, thoughts arise, but they're coming and going in this nowhere, nothing space where there's just awareness? And what happens if you allow yourself as a person to have thoughts without saying an ego or a mind is doing it? Over a period of time, you won't experience an ego. You won't experience a mind because you're experiencing ego and mind only because you've defined it. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Leo, what, what are you thinking about all this? Yeah, it, it's... You know what? What a couple of thoughts came to mind, um, and I, Matt, you touched on one of them: the, the process of thinking, right? Um, and and it seems that, ironically, it's our attachment to our thoughts, and and not just our thoughts, but well, when you were asking Greg, you know, is there any proof that Greg exists? My thought was, well, I think Greg exists. So, in a, in a way, the relationship that we have with those around us, 
sure. with what they say about the world and how we attach to the beliefs of the world around us and sure. those that live in that world, right? That 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 creates the structure that we live through, that we live in, that we live within in our daily form. We interact long, with those beliefs. I, I, would, I would agree with you, and I, and I totally hear what you're saying, but I would say just mm-hmm. as from my experiences and just from how I've been, you know, brought to, I guess, help help people, what I would say mm-hmm. is that's true only for as much time as you devote yourself to believing in a structure. Like when I said, does Greg mm-hmm. exist outside of Greg? And you mm-hmm. said, well, Greg exists to me. But, do, is, but do, can you see that Greg only exists in your experience the way you experience him? That outside of your experience, right. you assume Greg exists, but you and your own evidence and your own direct seeing, you actually don't know Greg outside of your experience, nor do you know yourself outside right. of your experience. And so then you see Greg as just reflecting to you whatever you believe or assume mm-hmm. about this manifestation called Greg. So, for example, what happens, mm-hmm. what happens if you allow yourself to just recognize that you're only trying to find your way out of a structure that only mm-hmm. you're suggesting exists? meaning without words and meaning, mm-hmm. let's just look and actually find a structure, meaning people talk about thoughts. Mm-hmm. Look within, close your eyes, and look on the inside. Who can you find anyone with whom these thoughts belong, or is there just space? Mm-hmm. See, the, that's see the question? That, that, that's the brilliant thing about it, that, that you know, once we let go of that attachment to those, yeah. to those, those things that we think we think, you know right. that we that we believe. You know that's the the space where we can actually experience the 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 uh, the ephemeral nature of all of this. You know, absolutely. It's it, it, it's the awareness that's really permanent, not that attachment to those beliefs or those structures or 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 my perception of a person named Greg. You know, it's, of course. That's, so that detachment is a beautiful moment. You know, and that detachment um, is where I think that's where the space, right, for 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 that awareness. Um, yeah. And what I would say is that perhaps, and again, I pose the question for your own seeing to see this, mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. there is no attachment outside of an experience of attachment. So when mm. we say we're attached, we're just having an experience of attachment for as long as we put beliefs into the words that define attachment. The minute we look within and see there is no one with whom the word and meaning attachment belongs, then the experience goes from an experience of attachment to an experience of detachment, but there's no life outside of experience, which means we're not really experiencing, or let me say this, there's no reality to anything we experience outside of our experience. The only reality in any of these simulated experiences is that which is always watching, that which is always aware. And if you look within, you can sense an awareness, but you cannot find who that awareness belongs to, and you cannot separate it from the deepest part of yourself. So instead of trying to find the space in life, it's kind of Mm -hmm. like when you're watching a movie, like your life's a movie, and you realize that the one who's watching is a part of the movie because of a 3D movie, but the watching itself is experiencing itself as the character, but the watching doesn't belong to the character. Like you could look, Leo, at anything in your room and, and you could observe and be aware of it and that awareness does not belong to a body named Leo. It's just mm. that awareness is aware of an object and through the body, which is a decoration, 
that awareness utilizes senses to have a personal experience of whatever it observes. And everywhere you look with your attention, there is no experience you're able to have without being aware of the experience. Therefore, awareness is unable to be divided from any experience. Therefore, the reality is there's nothing but awareness, and everything is just an experience of awareness experiencing itself. And all we have to do is just stop and, and, and stop trying to uh, negotiate with the context of experience that only we're defining. But mm. just stop and say, when I, and we can try this right now, if I don't say what anything is and what anything isn't, meaning I, st- I still can call a tree a tree, I can still call the body a body, but what if you don't say anything else about it? We don't say anything about, what the, about the body, we don't say anything about the rooms we're in, we don't say anything about the world, we don't say anything about mind, we don't say anything about ego, we don't even say anything about awareness or presence. We just experience without needing to say what it is and what it isn't. And tell me what that feels like when you just are aware without needing to get caught up in what is and what isn't. What's that like? There are no words to describe it, really. And, and I know. And the, do you feel the only thing? Yeah. Sorry. No. The only the only thing I I I feel, and this is maybe yeah, is it, the breath, really, and just right. that's the only thing I you know the the calmness of the breath. That's about right. the only thing I I can. That's permanent. And that but you're aware of the breath. Exactly. But you're aware of the breath, right? Right, right, right. So the awareness. So if you're watching the breath, that means the breath isn't what you are because you're watching. So mm-hmm. so let's just let's just pay attention to as you watch the breath. Mm. Let's pay attention to the phenomenon of watching. Mm. Tell me what's true about that which watches even the breath. And just not by what you think, but just feel into that which is watching and tell me what that experience is when you just feel into it. Not the breath, not watching the breath, but that which watches the breath. Does that seem to belong to anyone or anything? No, absolutely not. And it's it's uh Yeah, it's it's hard to describe, right? I mean there's no word it doesn't <clears throat> I certainly cannot describe it. Right, because as soon as you from, say a word, me. a word disappears and, and a word is exactly. assuming a word is assuming that we assume that words have meaning. Exactly. Now what if now what if would it be fair to say I can't describe it or define it, but I can experience it? Absolutely. So you're seeing right now a very important thing, that you don't need to describe and define what you can experience. And in fact, when you don't try to define it, you actually probably have a more direct, vivid experience of it. Mm. And notice that as soon as you bring the definitions into it, you then turn it into something that in your interpretation, you now turn it into something imperm- you turn it into something permanent that now will begin and end and come and go quickly. So the reason why people mm-hmm. are having such impermanent experiences of presence that leads them to the belief that they have to practice something is because they've labeled it with a meaning that turns, it in, turns something permanent into something impermanent. As soon as you take the meaning away, as soon as you take the labels away, 
there's just a sense of directly experiencing it, and it doesn't have to actually come or go because you're not actually imposing impermanent ideas onto it. So you don't have to practice this. You just have to stop defining it and see for yourself, can you divide yourself on the deepest level from this that you can't even describe? And yet there is a, a, a bit of a struggle. Good. To not, to not in, yeah, then that's, that's, you know, going back, I think, to what we were asking in terms of uh, practicing, like you say, um, you know, because immediately the minute you try to label it, then there begins right. a mental dialogue and there, you know, an imaginary right. dialogue with others and then who's right, sure. who's wrong, this way, that way. Sure. And then life in its, uh, in its, most mundane forms, right? Mm-hmm. It, is um, it seems like there's a pull away from that experience of awareness, and so it's almost like the, it's almost like you, you know, like you turn on the lights and suddenly everything disappears, you know, and um, and the lights are the lights of the daily life, mm-hmm. um, and so that practice, as I see it, you know, the practice of being able to turn off the lights and experiencing mm-hmm. the awareness um, right. is something that is very calming and, right. you know, again, has no words to it, but I think it can sure. somehow inform the way we live our our daily life with the lights on. Do you know what it I mean? Could, it could, but what I would also say is the detriment and the imprisonment is that when you constantly are trying to turn the lights on based on how we're misperceiving mm-hmm. it, then you can't mm-hmm. ever travel into the world far enough away from the light switch. But as mm-hmm. soon as you're put into a position without a light switch, then you're and you're caught, and you're back into suffering. Like, if we went about this in a different right. way, because yeah. everyone that's in this dialogue with us is having a chance to experience this. So if you look around your house right now, Leo, mm. would you w- would it be easy to say that you're aware of whatever you see? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if, and if we were to take a poll as to the one that has had a perfect attendance in every single scene of your life's movie, could we agree that you're the one that's had a perfect attendance in every scene of your life's movie? I've been there almost 99% of the time, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so you're the one that's watching all of this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All we have to do is get you to see through the fact that you are the awareness experiencing itself as a body that's been named Leo, and what keeps you thinking you're separate from awareness is believing all the things that have been assumed about Leo. Right. That if you just look at any object, you're just aware of the object, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Does anything about Leo's past history need to be remembered, regurgitated? Do we need to decide who is looking and who isn't looking, or is there just aware of whatever you're aware of? It's just the awareness. Right. So there's no sense of anything but awareness. There's no sense of even Leo. Mm -hmm. Those are just thoughts that arise, and the reason that they arise is because anything that we attract that arises into thought is only Mm -hmm. the things that we have taken the time to blindly believe and not investigate. And the thoughts that we have are not trying to hurt us. They're like flashcards from the universe that says, Mm. every time this arises, you misperceive it, so they repeat, so maybe you can get it on a deeper level. It's the universe waiting for you to see through something. And so every time a thought arises, we just look within. Not if it's true or not, because truth is usually an opinion, and that's where we get caught. Mm -hmm. The question is, on the inside, do I see anyone with whom this thought belongs? No. If it doesn't belong to anyone... I don't concern myself with it, and I move on. And I, and I start to let go of the identification with believing that I 
am actually what I'm experiencing. Meaning you're experiencing what it's like to be Leo, but that doesn't mean that's who you are. You're simply aware of what it's like to be Leo in a world of infinite self-reflection. And you start to you start to perceive from this space that is already free and always free and, and no longer believe that Leo has to be liberated because Leo is just a decoration of experience. It's just a name given to the body. All you have to do is just ask yourself, when thoughts and ideas of Leo arise, aren't I just aware of those things? And if I looked within saying, yeah, I'm aware of what it feels like to be Leo and think these thoughts, but if I really look on the inside, is there anyone who any of this belongs to? And if the answer is no, then the grip starts to loosen, and you start to experience what it's like to be Leo thinking, what's it like to be Leo reacting to thinking, and all the dance, and you're watching the dance, but you're realizing you're experiencing what it's like to do the dance, and you're only experiencing that dance because you still believe the dance exists. And then the grip starts to loosen, and then it's just an experience that belongs to no one. So we still have the same experiences, but it it has nothing to stick to, because you look on the inside and go, well, who could this limit? Who could it compromise? There's no one there. And and then what happens is the magical shift shifts from identifying with every one of your experiences, and it shifts mm-hmm. to experiencing the joy of identity. Because the awareness is always moving towards the experience of identity, while the experience of identity is always running the hell away and trying to run towards God or awareness. And that's where the conflict is. Is that awareness is always moving towards experiences, and we're always trying to move towards the preference of our experiences, and that's why they're suffering. Mm. And so, if we just stop trying to get away from what only we're judging and comparing, and what, and we're basically mm-hmm. trying to hide from our own misperception, mm-hmm. or trying to hide from our own assumptions, if we just stop that and look on the inside and go, this thought that arises, is there anyone in the body with whom it belongs? If the answer is no then it's I'm simply aware of this feeling or thought. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens is there's a thought that arises, and then there's a feeling that happens in the body that we think is a reaction to the thought. And we think, well, I want to get rid of my thoughts because I want to be able to not react and feel better in my body, right? Mm -hmm. And here, I'm going to then (laughs) blow the lid off that and help people see it a different way. That the body is an emotional compass. And when everything feels good in the body, that's telling you the way you're perceiving this moment is giving you nearly as many choices as the universe always gives itself. When you feel tight and constricted in response to a perception or a thought, the constriction in the body is saying the way you're perceiving this is giving you far less choices and is far less clear than how the universe or the purity of awareness is seeing this. And the intensity of the reaction is literally a measurement of how many times in the past you've fallen for this misperception and identified with it. Can you repeat that? Because I thought that was really profound. Yeah, so whenever there's a reaction to thoughts, the Mm -hmm. thought about the reaction is that, oh, this is like, for example, we we have a thought about, oh, I'm threatened or I'm fearful, and then we have a fearful feeling in our body, or we have some sort of reaction that we usually think is a confirmation of the validity of the thought. And it's Mm -hmm. opposite. The feelings in the body are an emotional compass. When you feel a positive feeling, the positive feeling says, this is feedback through the emotional body 
that is letting you know that the way you're perceiving this is giving you nearly as many choices as the universe always gives itself, which means you're perceiving this clearly. When you feel a negative reaction, it's the universe through the body saying to itself, basically, the way you're perceiving this is not giving yourself as many choices as the universe always gives itself. And you are misperceiving this and making it something far more personal than it actually is. And the intensity of how painful the reaction is, the intensity of it that we measure is literally showing you how many times, how long you've spent your life identifying with this misperception and believing it belongs to you. So if it's a negative feeling, it's just telling you you're misperceiving something. And if it's really intense, it just means, man, I've been following for this for quite a while. And then we start to use our feelings as a conscious tool and not proof and evidence of someone who actually on the inside doesn't actually exist outside of experience. And so we start to really kind of see things much clearer. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, you're, you're presenting all of this in a way that, um, that speaks to, 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 you know, obviously to Eckhart's teachings uh, and, and also to, to Zen Buddhism that I've been practicing uh, now for a few months and sort of really embracing. But, but what these, it, it, what you're presenting is a different way of, of getting beyond the, um, the, 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 the sacred space in a way that we think we need to have in order to feel the awareness. And you're you're kind of you're you're cutting to the chase. You're saying, "No, hey, you know, the the the, it, it, uh, the awareness of the thinking, the awareness of the the body's re- emotions, right. that is something that we can do on an everyday basis, on an everyday, right. you know, and it's an instant shortcut to actually getting to the the the, the greater awareness or you know, greater is a label, right? But to the awareness sure, that goes beyond I our um, so, so that's fantastic. It's, it's, Thank it's you. very liberating. Thank you, Thank and you it's good. Sure. And I can, I can feel in you just how much more relaxed and less intense. Because I can tell you, sure. on a level, to go at this with any kind of intensity. Mm. For those that are on this kind of path, going things, you know, it's a beauty that we do this diligently. That we make it such an important part of our day. That's a beautiful thing. But I will mm. tell you that the, the quickest way for the universe or life to respond to anything is not when we come at it with intensity, but when we come at it with innocence, openness, and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so it literally takes the heart of a child to really see what's here to be seen. And it's just how, how we kind of overcomplicate things. And, and you know, what, what I've experienced in my own life, and for me, my awakening experiences began when I was six, and subsequently have gone through my whole life and have happened to, 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 a, to the degree where, you know, the entire sense of myself as a person has vanished, and even when I look in the mirror, I see a reflection of a person, but that reflection will disappear into, into pixels and particles, and there's just no one there looking at nothing. It's pretty hilarious. And um, <laughs> and I feel like when I walk around and look at life, you know, I'm like a movie camera, like panning into the scene. Like, I just don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm a person or a body. I mean, I'm experiencing a body, but I just really don't feel like I'm even a person. And the odd thing is, is that when you kind of are liberated from believing in yourself as a person, the strangest thing is you actually start to take much better care of the body mm-hmm. and you start to make, take much better care of your life and your world um, because there's no attachment, there's no definitions, there's no, there's no real meaning. And then, of course, there, there's just this sense of liberation. But, but what's, what's so strange in this is that prior to the deepest awakening, 
the sacred space is like the spiritual practice or the spiritual container mm-hmm. or the spiritual event, and that's beautiful. I mean, you know, when I'm traveling mm-hmm. all over and having these events, it's a wonderful thing to see people in such mm-hmm. devotion. It's beautiful. But what happens when you awaken is that the sacred space goes from being one moment in time to being the entire experience of being a person. There's nothing more sacred to the universe than experiencing what it's like to be an individual. And yet, the rub is that individuals are trying to run away from the mundane they've labeled and trying to create a container where only God can be present. So you can see how, con- you know, how contradictory that is. And that eventually, you know, it's kind of like someone once asked me, you know, what's a good intentional community for me to live in? And I said, Earth. <laughs> it's a big one, you know. What's a good spiritual practice? Life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because... And what's so interesting is that everything that re- you react to in your day is intentionally, being, is intentionally causing the reaction, even though the people that are causing you to react don't realize that they're helping you and working on behalf of the universe. That when there's a reaction in your body, the reaction in your body is showing you the pattern that for so many times when you react, you believe it's true, and you're saying to yourself, this belongs to me. So if every time there's a reaction, you just look within and go, who does this belong to? And you see, oh, there's no one, there's no one who it belongs to. Then you start to loosen and let go of believing that that belongs to you. And on a daily basis, during your time at work, during your time with your children, during your time with your family, you're actually playing out scenes of your life's movie that are disguised, they're disguised to be personal experiences that throughout all the ups and downs are causing the random reactions that when they're there are asking you to inquire and see who it, who it belongs to. And when there's no one there who it belongs to and there's more of a letting go, throughout your entire day you're participating in the evolution of your being. It's not separate from life. It is when we are seeing life the clearest that we're actually using life and every moment of life is used to help the one wake up to the truth of itself. Yay. Beautiful. That's right. And I just want to stay here because we, we're coming to the uh, ending of, of the our time here with Matt. For those who are on the line, if you have a question for Matt, if you want to present Matt with your situation and get some feedback, just go ahead and hit star six on your phone. And that'll let me know that you have a question. We'll go ahead and bring you in so we can can uh, facilitate that here. You know, Matt, this is truly awesome. It really is, uh, you know, deeply insightful, and I've, I'm grateful for this experience. Thank you. And uh, what, when you were talking to Leo there, what I was sensing, you know, what is it? It was like effortless freedom, which yeah. I know is the uh, the title of your upcoming book. So is it, do you want to talk about that for a second, about what that is and, and your approach for that? Yeah, um, Effortless Freedom is the title of my first book, and it just kind of looks like everything comes to me intuitively. I sit down, even when I speak, like when I speak and I say things, I'm always hearing it when everyone else is hearing it for the first time. So whenever I'm in front of a group I'm, or, you know, in a session with someone, it's always like things can be brand new, and it's always, you know, an adventure. And when I write, I kind of sit down and just kind of let it all come out, and then this idea of Effortless Freedom because I was, of course, I've been working with people for many, you know, for a few years and just really kind of getting into the working and helping people through all the trenches of the spiritual journey and waking up and just, and I was just thinking about it one day and I thought, okay, like how can I convey how obvious and ever-present this that people are trying to like, 
you know, what people turn into like a, a spiritual vision quest, like I'm going to walk up the highest mountain to find this, and yet you don't even have to take a single step, but it within yourself to find it. And then effortless freedom popped in my mind, and I just started feeling effortless freedom. And I thought, yeah, because it just kind of stops one. And in this book, Effortless Freedom, I kind of look at it from all different angles about what is it that keeps us from recognizing this effortless freedom what keeps us from recognizing like enlightenment as returning to your natural state? You know, what causes us to make something so obvious that, you know, even like a word enlightenment, that we really kind of attach to the special people. What if that word in this you know, day and age, as we're eight months away from 2012, what if that word enlightenment is actually just a word that means after puberty, comes spiritual maturity, and it's actually it's actually something everyone goes through. It's just in previous generations, as consciousness was expanding on a collective level, spiritual maturity became something that usually happened only to those on their deathbed, like they're going through a crash course of spirituality in the last hour of their life, and now people have the potential to wake up while they're living their lives. So instead of having to just wake up out of the dream when you leave the body, you can actually wake up within the dream and allow the body to be a, a vessel that is able to sense the aliveness of life through the story of the person. And so really effortless freedom is giving every one of all, any walk of life, of any you know, spiritual path, whether you've had any experience, lots of experience, you know, an opportunity to really have the most direct and penetrating experience, not just once, but to actually here's how one realizes what they are and here's how one recognizes, not how to live as that, but recognizes that this is the only reality that has ever lived, that can ever live, and the only reality experiencing life throughout the expression of every person. That is so wonderful, and um, and it's like I I feel it's like right on the cusp. For some reason, I don't know if it was the, the collective, you know, ego or the collective unconsciousness or that which is whatever that is. It's had such a grip, but it's I sense it's lessening. And I, yes. I was just visualizing here a planet where everyone is really walking around, experiencing effortless freedom, and for those yes. who or don't know it are getting it much quicker, so it's so wonderful that you're you're uh, kind of like blazing a trail to what <laughs> this is, because it, it it is truly our potential, and this unconsciousness that has kind of kept us trapped for so long is really dissipating or disappearing, you know, quickly. Right. I mean, I remember I was talking to someone at an event once, and they said, "Why is it so difficult for me to wake up?" And I said, "Because you made it a goal." I said, you made it a goal, which means you've said to yourself, mm-hmm. just like many things we make into a goal, and this is a really funny thing, and just, you know, I know we're at the tail end, but like even something like people have the goal of making a lot of money and waking up, which to be honest, the, the, the goal of make, you know, waking up or making money is the same. There's not, you know, one doesn't have more spiritual brownie points than the other. But the funny thing with ego is that any time that an ego values something and then makes it a goal, we automatically, on an unconscious level, associate a rarity to that. So, for example, something in our society that is high value is something that's very rare. So a lot of people, the only reason they seem to not have enough money is because they value it so much 
they only give themselves a chance to believe that they have to earn it by chasing it. And because what we value in ego is also defined as rare, that means we're telling ourselves on the biggest level, I can't have that constantly coming to me or else it wouldn't have such high of a value. And the same thing with awakening. is we make it such a high value and goal of awakening that for it to show up every day would, would, would make it less rare. So, we, so we, have to, we can value awakening, but if we kind of objectify it and make it like the object, of our goals, and if we start making it like the object of value, then immediately in the brain there's an association to whatever is the highest value has to be showing up the rarest of times in my life. So we almost keep ourselves from experiencing it every day because we need it to be so, you know, so infrequent to maintain that rare value. So if we can value it by recognizing it as what we are, not turn into an object to chase or something to coerce or something to maintain, then it's just the, 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 the journey becomes not how can I accomplish this, how can I wake up, or how can I be present. It's, if we look at the word present, because I know, we're, you know this is all about Eckhart Tolle, who's a teacher I, I adore, let's look at the word present in a very different way. Instead of presence being I need to either be present or I'm not being present, let's look at that word in a very different context. And the word presence or present can be turned into a question, meaning presence is answering the question, what is it that's presenting itself in this form? You look like Greg, you look like Leo, I look like Matt. But what is it that's presenting itself in this form of Leo, Matt, and Greg? And if we both or all of us look inside like anyone else on the call, we find that what presents itself in one form is nothing but aware. And that aware in this body is the same aware in that body. And although the bodies look different and have had different experiences, there's only one awareness or one aware being that is presenting itself in the appearance of all. And that's the unity. It's just so beautiful, Matt. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I want to give folks uh, some, uh, a way to connect with you. Obviously, I was going to, you know, ask you, you know, on your website you offer, you know, individual sessions. Yes. And, you know, and it, I think it's right now it's so critical to, for, for those who are, you know, experiencing life right now to really deepen your spiritual, you know, your spiritual self or, or you know, experience effortless freedom to to, yes. to bring that into your experience. I truly encourage everyone to, if, if you resonate with Matt and saying tonight, to you know to reach out to send him an email or call or go to his website and, and learn more about how to you know to, to have a session with Matt. Do you want to say anything more than Matt? How that works or what how you do that or, or ways to do that? Well, everything I do is energetic. Everything I do is is intuitive. So. As I speak to an individual, whatever is going to work for them intuitively comes to me, which is always different from every individual. Um, and then when I speak, there's an energy. So not only just when people are hearing the words, digesting the concepts, or having the experiences I lead people to have uniquely, it's the energy coming through the words that are spoken that is actually being absorbed into the, down to the cells that allows whatever cellular memories that are blocking one's clearest perception to be immediately released. And then, of course, to awaken and open up what has always been there. But not until we're aware of what's always been there does it start to kind of shine and, and blossom in us in, in conscious recognition. So I would just say that 
what I'm being guided to do and just with my intuitive abilities is I just, every person I work with is so unique. And yet the one thing that's always the same is everyone can live freely. Everyone can experience effortless freedom and live in that way in the deepest way. It just, when someone says, I'm, I'm tired of suffering, I'm, I'm no longer interested in, you know, taking a nature hike and trying to chase something that I haven't found in so many years. I'm sick of being frustrated. I'm sick of being, sick of being confused. I just want to be free and happy. That's usually the time where someone like me playing this role is here to serve anyone in whatever way will allow them to experience their own true nature. And it's just, I dedicate my life to this. Um, when it started to awaken within, I handed my entire life over to it and realized that the silly part is what I was handing over was just an idea of my life. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's one of these things where I can sit here and say I dedicate my life to serving humanity. At the same time, for me, the tr- most true statement is, how could I ever live my life not ever sharing this with anyone else? And I cannot even reconcile that. So for me, it's not even a choice. It's just, this is just the way it is. I give, I offer, and I do it for my indescribable and irrational love for humanity and life. Man, I feel that right here as I'm sitting here, and I have tingly bumps mm-hmm. all over my body. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you are really communicating that very powerfully right now. So, again, for those who are listening, you know, if this is resonating with you, I just really want to encourage you to reach out to Matt and begin that journey and, you know, use his gifts to help you dissolve those blocks and to begin experiencing more and more effortless freedom. So, you know, it's just I think it's just so essential right now to focus time and energy and our efforts on our spiritual growth because there's just a, a lot of transformation in the world. And the easiest way to to prepare yourself for that transformation is to, you know, cultivate your spiritual growth. So I really encourage you to reach out to Matt. And wow, Matt, I am just showering you with gratitude and thankfulness thank right now. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us tonight and just sharing yourself so from such a deep place and so authentically. I'm just truly grateful for your presence on the call tonight. Thank you. And what I just want to say, just, you know, and I, cause I, I equally honor the space you're holding, you know, you both, both you and Leo, and I really appreciate both your time and for playing along and, you know, holding a space so that others can, can be invited to really understand how many options they have available to them. But what I really want to say is, you know, just in this moment where, at, where you're showering me with appreciation, which I definitely feel and I'm, I'm, a, I'm taking in and I, and I do appreciate it, but to also recognize that, and this is for anyone else listening, for those in our life, whether whoever they are in our life, whatever role they play, when we shower them with appreciation, they exist for us to shower them with appreciation so that every time you shower someone with appreciation, it's another dress rehearsal of becoming one step closer to being able to shower yourself with that same appreciation when no one is looking. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if we could allow ourselves to see that what happens if we were to just start to open up to see that everyone deserves to be appreciated uniquely and every moment was practicing to appreciate the uniqueness of others and every day of our lives we'd be so many steps closer to being able to stop and appreciate ourselves in the way we feel no one else has. And then we start to see that the gifts of others appearing in our life is to allow us to practice giving to them 
what we're being prepared to actually offer ourselves and to give to ourselves what we feel that no one in the past ever gave to us. And that's the real healing and transformation on a heart level. Oh, I'm just soaking it up. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Me too. Uh, I, I, I wanted to say, Matt, it, it, um, I, 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 I get this energy from you that the word that keeps coming to mind is fun. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> fun. And that's something, you know, you just mentioned in terms of, you know, the things that uh, maybe one does not experience or doesn't give oneself enough, you know, and, and so maybe that's why I'm picking that up from you. But, but it's got this great sense that you somehow have a fantastic uh, ability to make this fun. Oh my God. Effortless <laughs> and, and fun. And and that is just so, you know, it, it, it it's such a contrast from, you know, the kind of stodgy seriousness of enlightenment with a capital E, you know? I mean, no, I no, think, believe me, I know. It's a great gift, Matt, that you have, and I, I appreciate it, and I and I thank you for sharing it with us and, and for coming on the call with us tonight. Thank you so my, much. My, my, my pleasure. I mean, I honestly, my entire life is so... I mean, even though on a daily basis I'm helping people through a lot of really intense things, my life is so much fun. I have so much fun with everyone <laughs> I connect with because, honestly, the thing is, is that, and I know we're getting to the end of this, but, you know, if spirituality is made more lighthearted, mm-hmm. then more of our attention is given mm-hmm. to the enjoyment of life. And if there's any truth to spirituality, it's actually to help you see something you've been overlooking so that you have a greater capacity to enjoy what's already here. And so it's kind of like, you know, spirituality is like me being in a movie theater helping people to open their eyes so they can just look at the screen and watch all the colors and all the actors on the mm-hmm. screen. You know, mm-hmm. The purpose of spirituality is to awaken something in you so that you have nothing in the way of enjoyment. And if that's not the intention, then we're mm-hmm. just going to kind of look at spirituality as another way to fix the problems only we're insisting exist, that we don't see don't even exist outside of our experience. And then when there's nothing in the way, there's nothing but pure enjoyment. And every choice you make is simultaneously a choice that acts as a living contribution, not only for yourself, but in the best interest of others. So you can't help but give to others and live your life in service. There's really no alternative at the deepest level. There's just fun, there's contribution, there's openness. And whatever arises that we used to call negative is just only there what's going to help us break apart and break the heart open so that we have more to give and more to enjoy. So beautiful. So thank you both, and thank everyone that's been listening. It's been a wonderful time, and I, you know, I look forward to another time we can come together. And, and again, just what a wonderful time I've had. And I, I, you know, I, I so appreciate this time and look forward to any time we get to connect once again. Me too, Matt. Big smile on my Me face, too. which you can't see, but I, 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 I send it your way. Big smile. Thank you, you so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone that's been listening. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Matt. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Leo. Wow. What a uh, powerful transmission, huh? Indeed. Yeah, big smile on my face. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that is so, you know, the I loved the way you sh- you brought together at the end this this spiritual journey can be so serious and have, mm-hmm. you know, these these 
battles that rage with the ego and these, you know, these great dramas that play out in our mind regarding our spiritual mm-hmm. journey. It's just so weighted. There's so much weight there. And, you know, to, to have an experience. I think, Greg, are you still there? Did I drop or did you drop? Are you there, Greg? Yeah, someone said with the headset, so I took my headset off and uh, I'm okay. talking into the receiver now. So And so, uh, once again, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for, for organizing this uh, particular phone call, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was truly, truly enjoying I didn't really know 100% what to expect, but uh, Matt took us to some very deep spaces there, and uh, it was yeah. uh, such a joy to be a part of that experience. So. All right. Well, thanks so much, everyone, who joined us tonight. And uh, thank you, Leo, for, uh, for your insights and contributions and for playing with Matt. Uh, that really added a lot to the conversation. So thanks so much. Well, thanks so much, everybody, and have a great night. Bye-bye. Good night, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Just a quick reminder that you can find the recording of this and all of our other podcasts, teleseminars, and videos on our website, livingwithtole.com. If you have any feedback, comments, or any questions you'd like to ask or topics you'd like us to explore, feel free to drop us a line through the website or through our Facebook page. Our teleseminars are offered on the first Tuesday of every month. If you'd like to join us live on the teleseminar calls, simply visit our website and register following the teleseminars link. All of our teleseminars, as well as our podcasts and videos, are offered free of charge and commercial free as a service to you. This is made possible by the donations that we receive from our listeners. You can donate now at livingwithtole.com. Thank you.